That sounds great. Thank you, Tammy. That's really exciting. Not too much, but just enough and really helpful and encouraging. I hope you'll have an opportunity to be a part of that. I'm already thinking about which soccer jersey I'm going to wear that Sunday. Should be fun. Um, And if you perhaps haven't been on some other uh, foreign field, just buy a soccer jersey. Most of them are foreign and you'll have something to wear. And then you can pray for the teams. All right, with that, let me uh, begin our service, or continue our service in prayer. Father, we thank you for today, and thank you for our time together. Thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, this deep and profound book that you uh, chose to place in your word and preserve for us. And many times it challenges us, many times it befuddles us, but... Um, Never does it leave us without something to think of. And so I pray this morning as we consider your truth that you would impart it to our hearts and lives and that I would communicate it well. We thank you and praise you and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, my name is Jeremy. If you just came in, welcome here. We're glad you're here to worship with us. Um, I would like to tell you a little story about uh, an adventure that one of my children is having right now in the world of martial arts. Now, let me be clear. This is not like ultimate fighting or brutal stuff or anything crazy where your intent is to hurt somebody else or use your power for evil. This is sort of a good dignity slash self-control slash disciplined approach where they are uh, intentional about what they're doing, not just to do evil, but to do good and be respectful. So that's one of the things I actually appreciate about this Um, studio is everything they do is done with the utmost respect and I love that I'm like transfer that now please (laughs) you know and so they they stop at the door and before they go in they have to bow and then they take their shoes off and before they get onto the mat they have to bow and at the end of the class they go through this routine where they bow to one another bow to their instructor bow to the flag and then after that they walk off the mat again and then they bow again and before they leave the studio they have to say goodbye ma'am goodbye ma'am goodbye ma'am the whole thing is about discipline honor and respect and that's important especially if you're learning martial arts i saw one guy who was in very good shape and he was much bigger than the little female instructor and one night she was demonstrating on him and she said hold me right here he held her right there, and all of a sudden, she was like, <laughs> and I reacted the same way you just did. I was like, <laughs> and most of the class was too, and I was like, sorry, man, it's okay. <laughs> Glad it wasn't me, you know, but there's respect needed there because she is the master, and you are the student, and that's what will happen if you don't respect her. I mean, she knows what she's doing. She's the boss, and so when you come into her spot, you need to bow down Pay attention and be quiet. If you start yakking away while she's trying to teach, pretty soon you might be the one who's... (laughs) You'll learn. (laughs) Bow to the master. So too in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 today, we're going to enter into this place of worship. And what the author is telling us to do is Walk carefully. Like when you come in, you don't just walk in like you're the master and you're the boss and you're telling everybody else what to do. But instead, you stop, be still, bow, and pay respect to the one who's in charge. 
Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you have a Bible, I invite you to follow along with me as I read this passage to you. We're going to look at the first seven verses. They'll also be up on the screen. If you're at home, you can watch along and follow along as well. But today we're talking about humility and respect in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And basically, we're going to look at four different things that this passage tells us to do, not just for the sake of function, but for the sake of our heart. This will help your heart worship God better. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. But when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So four points about what God wants us to do. And again, it's not just doing, but it's being and it affects our hearts. And these things will help our hearts get to the right place. And that is this. The first one is to recognize our place. Number one, if you're taking notes, kiddo, and it's in your little thing or anyone else, wherever else, recognize your place. Number one, recognize your place. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says that God is in heaven and you are on earth exactly right god is big we are small he is huge we are tiny other places in scripture say that earth and sky flee from his presence mountains melt like wax before him who is like our god one of my favorite authors c.s lewis says it likes this he says he makes we are made he is original We derivative. Our life at every moment is supplied by him. Our tiny miraculous power of free will operates only on bodies which his continual energy keeps in existence. Our very power to think is his power communicated to us. Isaiah, the prophet, telling us what the Lord God says, says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above, are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ecclesiastes 5.2 again says what? For God is in heaven, and we are on earth. We need to recognize our place. He is the creator, we are the created He is the master. We are the students. He is big. We are small. God is God and we are not. 
Number one, recognize our place. Number two, be still. Number two, be still. Again, Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, For God is in heaven and we are on earth. And then the subsequent or thing that falls out of that is, Therefore, let your words be few. Be still, be still. I thought about calling it be quiet, but that didn't sound very nice. So I went with be still, and indeed other places in Scripture tell us to do that as well. Psalm 46.10. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Number one is recognize our place. Number two is be still. Let me give you a little example of that. Just a minute ago, if you were here, we did what some churches call a call to worship, what we sometimes call a preparation for the encounter. And the reason is, is not because we're just trying to be liturgical for the sake of being liturgical or go through the motions for the sake of going through the motions. But we really do believe as we come together as a united body, that's important to prepare our hearts for worship. And so we, if we have to take a moment, maybe you're perfect and your life is just right and you pray for hours every day and you come in and you're in the spirit and there's no like break between where you were and where you are now. Great. But for me, I need a little bit. I need a moment. I may have just gotten traffic. Well, it's Midland, but I may have had something go wrong just before I came and I may need a minute to take a deep breath and get ready to worship. So we prepare for that. We take a moment of silence or a moment of quiet. And I've had people, I mean, no offense, guys, but especially like young people come to me and they're like, man, that is so weird. Like, why are we all quiet and stuff? I mean, think about the visitors. Isn't it awkward? I'm like, yeah, actually, it is a little awkward. And we're being awkward on purpose because we're different. And in this place, at times, we are quiet on purpose. And I know that's different than the world we inhabit, but that's actually a good thing. Because the problem with our culture today is this. Here's a cultural critique from one commentator, and he says this. Silence is undervalued in this noisy, intrusive world that most of us inhabit. The constant traffic and chatter surrounds us in our public spaces and where these are mercifully quieted for a time, their place is taken by endless radio, music, and innate. What do you do when you get in the car? First thing, boom, turn on the noise. We retreat to our homes, but then we voluntarily recreate the noise where the in that world as well, the TV provides this constant background noise and the evidence suggests that we are afraid of silence discomforted it by it and unable to deal with it there must be noise any noise noise deafens us to reality we have in essence made it extraordinarily difficult for ourselves in all of our technological sophistication to be still and know that god is god how will we never ever ever recognize his place if we can't hear him we don't stop long enough think for just a moment that God is God and we are not. We need to be still and know that he is God. Number one, we recognize our place. Number two, we be still. And look, as I'm walking through this, it really isn't much different than going through the taekwondo steps, right? And when you're going in there, you're wearing a white belt, it's pretty clear that you're not the boss. You don't just run into the studio with your sloppy shoes onto the floor, But you stop at the front door 
recognize your place. And you bow to the boss. And you take off your shoes. And you listen. Number one, recognize your place. Number two, be still. And number three is actually to bow. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 1 says, Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Okay, it's a big, tricky, complex question. How do you guard your steps? You look at your feet. You bow. You look down. How do you know where you're going if you don't lower your head? You actually should bow to God. Now, I'm not talking about going through, you know, ritualistic things, but what I'm saying is there is a real symbolism in your posture, and your posture should be a posture of humility. When you approach the Lord, it's not like, boom, boom, oh, yeah, you know? You're like, oh, hold on. Who's the boss here? Is it me or is it him? It's him. Okay, then. Whatever you say. I'm listening. I'm being quiet because you're the boss. Bow your heart, even if it's not your head. And it's very hard, I understand, for the human heart to bow. That is the very last thing we want to do. In fact, Jeremiah says it like this. He tells us specifically that the human heart, Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9 says the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some say wicked. It's hard. I get it. We want to do our own thing. We don't want somebody else to tell us what to do. We don't want to submit. We don't want to be meek. We don't want to turn the other cheek. We want to do our thing because that's us. But our human nature is so broken. It's so messed up all the way down to our very core that when eventually the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and makes us alive again, we have to grasp that power and use it to redirect our hearts back to the course that God would have it go down. We have to bow our hearts. Well, how do you do that, Pastor Jeremy? Just by more discipline or crunching down or whatever? No, I actually think it's a little simpler than that. And the way you bow your hearts goes back to this very thing that we're talking about. The secret of our humility is not to think more about ourselves, but to think more of God. The secret to humility is not to think more about yourself, but to think more of God. And the more you stop and be still and bow down, the more humble you will actually become. Think of the reality of God and who he is. God is, Ecclesiastes 5.2, he is in heaven and we are in earth. And that puts us in our place and helps us to submit. Number one, recognize our place. Number two, be still. Number three, bow your hearts to God. Now, before I go to number four, let me just stop right there and ask you, how is your heart? How's your heart? Is your heart bowing in humility and submission before God right now? How is your heart towards God? Is it in rebellion? Is it in intellectual assent are you thinking of god like yeah he's there acknowledge it good but i got stuff to do not really interested i believe he's big he's power he's important yeah 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 but it's not really my thing you know that's for my wife or my kids that's for sunday at church but i'm not just not feeling it. how is your heart how is your heart towards god is he an intellectual 
thing that you think about or is it a deep and passionate relationship, one whom you love, desire, treasure, long for, and think about every single day? What is most beautiful to you? What is most desirable? There's your answer. How's your heart? Recognize your place, be still, bow your heart to God. And number four, and finally, and probably the hardest, is this, and it is to listen, to listen. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter 5.1 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near and listen. It's better to listen than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing. Look, the creator commands and the creature listens. The creator commands and the creature listens and it's not the other way around. We need to remember our place. We were created to listen, not to command. I like to do word stuff. Some of you know that already on occasion. I describe it as geeking out. But there happens to be a cool word going on here. And that word you may have heard before. It's actually Shema. Has anybody heard the word Shema before? You've probably heard it if you know anything about Judaism. Because it's a big thing. The front the front end. And it is for Christianity as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 says this, it says, guard your steps again to draw near to God to listen. And guess what the Hebrew word for listen is there? Shema. Shema. Where do we hear Shema? Shema is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, where it says this. It says, hear or listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might and all of your strength. The first thing, the very first thing that God's people are commanded to do, we often jump to, oh, love God or love people. You know what the first thing they're commanded to do is? Listen. Be quiet, be still, and listen. The first thing you got to do is listen. You don't even know what to do if you don't listen. Listen, listen, listen. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 1 says to listen. To be quiet, be still, and listen. As I was preparing this week, it was very, very convicting several parts of this text. And what I mean by that is this is obviously... I'm a guy who cares about truth. Like, I have dedicated my life to the study and the proclamation of truth. We named one of our children Ezra, and the constant theme throughout the book of Ezra is that he studied the book of the law, he applied the book of the law, and then he went and taught it. And I very much see that as the right approach. Look, the first thing you do is you go study and then you try it out and then you're in the spot to be able to teach it to others. But there are some spots in scripture that cause even the preachers to trip. (laughs) And this is one of those where it says to listen because so much uh, is built into my DNA to say, I want to teach, I want to help, I want to explain, I want to encourage, I want to talk, you know. I want to, I want to, if there's error that goes out, I want to correct it. I don't want it just to sit there and deceive the sheep. And so, so many times it's tempting for me to sit there and go, oh man, do I, 
do I fix that? Do I correct it? Do I, is that, how far are we going here? And this is a constant rebuke and it does it through the book of James and it does it here in Ecclesiastes. But what it does is, man, it says, let your words be few. Let them be few. And as I read the book of James just in parallel with this passage, what I found is basically the book of James is just a running commentary on Ecclesiastes chapter five. Some people try to like separate the Old Testament and New Testament, but if you put them side by side, they are absolutely, perfectly, beautifully synced together. And this is no exception. If you want to know how to understand Ecclesiastes chapter five, just read the book of James. It tells you. James chapter 1, verse 21, for example, when we talk about listening, it says, Therefore, how do we listen? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. There's the answer. How do you listen? By sitting there and closing your mind and waiting till you have your opportunity to talk and then pow, hit them? No. It's to pull back, take a breath, and receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. Now, in James chapter 1, it's talking about the implanted word. So in specific context here, it's referring to the word of God and particularly what God has to say to you. So it's exactly parallel to Ecclesiastes, which is in the context of worship. And so the idea here is with the worship and the word that you're entering into God's presence and doing so in a humble and meek way and listening. But I think this applies not only to God but, and how we listen to him, but also how we listen to others as well. And for me personally, I feel like sometimes it's a lot easier to listen to God because you know no matter what, he's right and I'm not. But for others, you're not always so sure. (laughs) And so you might want to contribute to that conversation a little more and it's harder to listen. But here's the thing about meekness. One author defines it basically as accepting all of God's dealings as good. Accepting whatever comes our way as good. And the trouble with that is, is that includes other people too. And we know that not everyone is good, but we know that all things work together for good. So even if that person is intentionally an instrument of evil, trying to bring about Satan's opposition in our life, that we need to see them as under the divine and sovereign umbrella of God. So if even their purpose is to cause me to suffer, then I need to see them as an instrument of good that will help me suffer well. That is how you can bless your enemies. And that is how you can turn the other cheek. But there is no way you can turn the other cheek and bless your enemies if you don't believe in the sovereignty of God that is absolute power over all things and the promises of the gospel like when Jesus says the meek inherit the earth if you really believe that God is sovereign then you can receive anything with meekness but if you don't believe in the resurrection and the vindication of Christ it's really hard to turn the other cheek so how do you listen well How do you 
Be humble. How do you show respect? I believe the answer is right here in James chapter 1. And there's more James verses in the um, life group questions that you can pursue later. Right under the sermon link on our website. But the idea is basically whatever comes our way, good or evil, good or evil, we accept it with meekness. It doesn't mean you have to affirm it. It doesn't mean you have to say evil is good. For example, someone has used this illustration with me. They said, feedback is a gift. What does that mean? Well, there's some gifts you receive. And you're like, yeah, I like this. It's helpful. I'm going to internalize it. There's other gifts you receive where you kind of smile and nod. And you put them on the shelf and they never come back out again. Right? That's the idea of receiving with meekness. Like, you have to receive it. It doesn't mean you have to internalize it, own it, accept it. But it does mean in some way you have to receive it. Number one, when we think of who he is, we need to remember that God is in heaven and we are on earth and therefore let our words be few. Recognize our place. Number two, be still. Be still and know that he is God. Number three, bow. And number four, listen. Number four, listen. As I go back to that Taekwondo studio this week to pick up my kiddo, I expect to see him bow on the way in and bow on the way out and demonstrate humility and respect. I wonder, I'm, I'm kind of just joking right now, but I wonder what would it be like for all of us whenever we came into this room <laughs> to stop for a moment and bow. It's not that this room is holy. It's not that it's different than any other building. But the concept is that there is someone here bigger than us. And all the way through, we need to keep remembering our place and recognize him for who he is. And the funny thing is, too, is this. As you look at this text, it says, you know, uh, to do not be rash before your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. We know that God is not just here, but he's everywhere. Therefore, every word we utter anywhere is before God. Because of God's universal, omnipresent power, his place over creation, everything we say is said before him. Therefore, let your words be few. What is a creature's place? A creature's place is to remember the creator, the master, that we are the creature and the servant. Recognize our place, be still, bow, and listen. Let me read this text one more time because I think it's helpful just to uh, revisit it. As I explain it, hear it again, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. And when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. 
It was better that you should not vow, that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one we must fear. Father, we thank you and praise you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord, which is perfect. And Lord, I clearly confess that my words are not. And I ask that you would help me to let them be few. Help me to speak less and listen more, and especially to you. Help me to receive with meekness the implanted word. Lord, thank you for the time that we have to worship today, for the good things we have coming up. And as we get ready to um, think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we praise you for the bread and cup. In his name we pray. Amen.